I want to say greetings from Braveheart Outpost before I get on that horse and start riding this morning. Uh, it's a joy to be with you. Uh, it's a joy to get to be invited into what God is doing in this place. Uh, one of the things that we preachers can do is think that the Lord's got to have us to do something and to be something and for you. And one of the things I've been convinced of before I ever got here, Lord's been working in this place in a great way. So I just tried to ask the Lord, say, okay, Lord, what are you doing? What are you doing and how do you want me to join you in there for those folks and for their hearts, for their spirit, for their church? And uh, this morning, I, I, I'm hoping to improve my standing with you a little bit, so I brought my wife with me this morning. She willingly came along. She's my partner in ministry uh, as we seek to build God's kingdom as he's brought us along and works in our heart. Her name is Rhonda, and we also have one of our board members from Braveheart Outpost. But more than that is a dear friend who walks with God and with us in that process, and we share all of this together. So Pat Spargo, we thank you for coming and being a part of this with us today. Before we uh, look at what I want to share with you that Lord has laid on my heart this morning, I want to pray. And uh, so let's go to the Lord together and you pray as I pray uh, as well. Father, you are in this place. And Lord, we welcome you into these moments that we look into and that we break open and as is poured out over us and in us and through us in your life. Father, it is my prayer that you will show us, you will reveal the things that are embedded in what is shared this morning as I am your mouthpiece and ask your Holy Spirit to speak through me your words of life, Father. May they come to us, enlighten our hearts, enlighten our minds, enlighten our spirits, open the eyes of our hearts, and open the ears of our spirit, Lord, so that we may see and observe and receive all that you have for us today. And Lord, may we leave this place so changed, so transformed, and so encouraged by the light of the truth that we receive today, Father, that no matter how dark it is around us, Father, we will light it up with our passion for you. And we pray this in your name. Amen. This morning, as an introduction to my sermon... And uh, the people that will, are with me will tell you that if you walk with me long enough that you will uh, get a lot of, a big heavy dose of this because I think these things are like mirrors, they're like parables. Before I share what I want to share with you from the Lord has laid on my heart from God's Word, I want you to look at the lives of three men and I want you to see what happens in their life and observe their hearts in the stories that they tell. It's, the, uh, it's a trailer from uh, three movies. And I want you to look at these men's heart. Think about your heart. If you see something in there that reaches out and grabs you, make a mental note, park it, because we may jump back into that in the sermon. But I also want to encourage you to park it on a piece of paper if something reaches out there and grabs you. And we may touch on that as we go through this this morning. But look at these three men's hearts and think of your own. What's to do with what's in our hearts it's what he wants to do in building his kingdom 
and turning this world upside down for him and for his kingdom. And you know what? Right now on a wide scope, in my immediate world, it's not happening the way that I think God wants it to happen. As I look around at the landscape of my own heart and most of your hearts as well, in a general sense, it's dark. It's bleak in some ways. There are a lot of things unfolding in our world that we don't understand, the very foundations of who we are as a people, as a person, as a family, as a church, as a country as a a group of people seen in the global situation of our world, it is unsettling at the very least. The future is uncertain. We don't know how things are going to unfold. We don't know if the outcome is going to be one that we like, that we don't like. But one of the things out of all of those things that we can mention this morning is this, is that God is almighty and He is still in control. He is in control. He is still working. He is still busy writing His story. History is His stage. And what I want us to look at this morning is for us to find our place, our role, what God has put in your heart that is so important in the writing of that story on that stage that God wants you to take center stage in the world He has placed you in. Not to let the things that are going on around you take you out or hinder you. Not to let those be obstacles, but to let them be the opportunity for God to intervene for God to come through, for God to empower you, for God to strengthen you in His authority, in His power, in His might, so that you can speak to the darkness and it flees. So that you can just stand in the presence of God Almighty and that His light would dispel the darkness that is around us. And that one by one, those people in the sphere of life where you live are drawn into God's story. Drawn into God's story. And as you are in that place, in that role, I want to go back to something, and I hate that Nelson is not here, and I know when he returns from his trip, and we're going to be praying for him and lifting him up as he goes into a foreign territory for him this morning, he would remember this very vividly, and you may have even heard him say this before. The title of my message is simply this, Say what you see so that we can see what you say. Say what you see so that we can see what you say. That is not my phrase. That is Dr. Robert Smith's phrase uh, that he would pound us with in our preaching class in seminary. Nelson and I shared some of those classes together. And they would just thrill my heart, because Dr. Smith, if you ever have the opportunity to hear him, if you go in onto YouTube, type his name in, because this morning about 4 o'clock I was listening to him, just to be reminded of this on YouTube. And uh, as I listened to him, it just, it, it just poked my heart in a good way. But he would always say this. He would say, when you get up to preach, you just say what you see 
so that we can see what you say and do it in that way. And if you ever hear him preach, he has mastered the craft of that. But that's his saying. And I want to take you to Joel chapter 2 as my wisdom platform for this this morning. But we're going to look at a number of places before we close. Joel chapter 2, starting with verse 18. Really, you could build off of this entire chapter, but time won't allow me to do that. But in the first couple of phases of chapter 2 of the book of Joel, one of the things is unfolding that it's very similar to the setting that our hearts are in today as Christians, as believers. The the world was very dark. Uh, The world was very much in need of repentance, very much in need of revival and renewal. A lot of darkness, a lot of doom and gloom that was unfolding. And the need of the hour was judgment. And if you read the very first part of chapter 2 of Joel, you will see that. That's addressed there. And then in uh, Joel, uh, the second part of that, uh, the Lord begins to invite the people to draw close to Him in that setting. And He gives them some promises to hold on to. So in that context, verse 18 arrives... And he says there's going to be both some darkness, there's going to be some doom and gloom, there's going to be some judgment, there's going to be some moving of me among you that's going to be very strong, it's going to be very powerful, it's going to bring a lot of life in the midst of the darkness. And then when he comes to verse 18, he says some things. He says, Then the Lord will be jealous for his land and take pity on his people. The Lord will reply to them, I am sending you grain. I am sending you new wine, and I am sending you new oil, enough to satisfy you fully. Never again will I make you an object of scorn. I will drive the northern army far from you, pushing it into a parched and barren uh, land with its front columns going into the eastern sea and those in the rear and into the western sea, and its stench will go up and its smell will rise. It says, surely he has done great things. Be not afraid, O land, and be glad and rejoice. So you see what he's he's setting up here. When you come to verse 28, I want to move to that, verse 28, because I think that's what I have for up on the screen. The Lord comes to a point of making those promises to his people in the middle of what's coming, and he says this, And afterward, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my Spirit in those days. I will show you wonders in heaven and on earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood. And before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord... And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there will be deliverance, as the Lord has said, among the survivors whom the Lord calls. May God bless the reading of his word this morning. As we look at this, I want to repeat that again. Say what you see so that we can see what you say. If you see Nelson uh, when he gets back from his trip, I want you to be able to say if he asks you, what did Greg preach on? You just tell him 
to mind his heart and his mind, say what you see so that we can see what you say. And to take that a step further, you can really say this. Live what you see so that we can live what you say. What am I speaking of here? What I want you to do is to be able to experience God is the easiest way to put it. Experience God in your life. The first thing that I want you to see this morning in, in tackling this, because I want to walk you through how to experience verse 28. And I'm going to get to that and talk about that in just a moment. But I want to hit a couple of things first that I think are very the very foundation of all of this. First of all, all of this begins with God. Being able to say what you see and see so that others can see what you say and experience what you are experiencing in your inner man, in your inner woman, in the inner parts of who you are. For them to be able to do that, the first thing we have to realize is that it's not all about me. It's not all about you. And it's not all about us. What happens for Ingalls Wings Church is simply this. It's not about you. It's not why you do everything that you do in this place. But it is all about God. It begins with Him. He is writing a story. He is writing His story. The most important story that we can live in. There are a lot of stories we can choose to live in, but the one he writes is most important. It begins with God. One of the things that I really like about Jesus, I like to study his life because I try to, if I can, model my ministry after him. And one of the things that amazes me is in John chapter 5, and I would invite you to turn there with me to see this. John chapter 5. To me, this is just astounding. Here is Jesus, who is the visible image of God. He is fully God, yet He is fully man. A lot for me that I can't get into this morning, but that's who He is. He is the visible image of the invisible God. When you look at Jesus, you are looking at God. And in John chapter 5, verse 16 Jesus begins to talk about his ministry and what God is doing in him and through him. So he says these words. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jews persecuted him. Jesus said to them, My father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, the Jews tried all the harder to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making him equal with God. And remember what it says in verse 17, My father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. And in verse 19, he goes a step further that talks about his work. He says, Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth, the Son, speaking of himself, Jesus, who is the visible image of the invisible God, fully God, yet fully man, and he says this, I tell you the truth, I can do nothing 
by myself. The son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and and shows him all he does. Yes, to your amazement, he will show him even greater things than these. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. And he who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. And I love verse 24. I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. What are all of us looking for? Life. We want life and we want it to its fullest extent in every way for us, for our family, for our spouses, for our children, for the world around us, for our church, and everywhere we go. We want to find life. There it is. In Jesus. But one of the things that is so dramatic to me about this passage is that even Jesus had to find out what God was doing, connect up with Him, join Him. It's why you see Him so many times in the New Testament. He got alone and He prayed. And when he prayed, he came out, and guess what he did? He said what he saw so the people could experience that in their own lives. And guess what? They changed people's lives. They healed people. They restored broken uh, situations. They brought life in the way that those people's needs uh, most needed it. And it all begins with God. It's no different for us today. You want to be a church that shines with the light of Jesus Christ? Guess what? You've got to plug into Jesus. For He is the way, the truth, and the life. And the only way you can get to God is through Jesus Christ. So you've got to embrace what this passage said. You've got to believe Jesus you got to trust Him. If you want to be able to experience what we're going to go back to in just a moment in Joel chapter 2, if you want to experience that kind of life, you have to embrace Jesus. And you've got to begin walking with God and encountering God by encountering Jesus Christ in your life. And He's as real and as relevant and as present now as He was then. He's just as present with me this morning and with you this morning. He is by your side. He is on your side. And He's just wrapping His arms around you. And then you're going to hear some invitations in the middle of all of this that's going to blow your mind of what God wants to do in your life. But it all begins with God. He is the hero of the story. The second thing that I want you to see that's a premise for all of this, the last point that I want to make this morning, is that it begins with God, but God invites you into that work. He invites you into that work through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. 
Look at all the ways that Jesus went to people in the New Testament. He would sit down and he would have conversations with them. And those conversations were what? Very personal conversations that he would have. He knew where they were. He met them where they were. And he introduced them to God's grace in very cunning ways. He was extremely wise in the way that he dealt with people's hearts. And guess what? In this place today, you are being given the invitation to join God through Jesus Christ. The first way that that happens, most of us in this room may have already experienced that, but the first way that happens is believing that Jesus is who he says he is. Remember I was speaking of the landscape around your heart? Guess what? There are a lot of people. There are a lot of people in your world in a lot of different avenues that are saying the opposite of that. And you may be here this morning and you have be, you are becoming aware in this moment that you've been convinced by those other folks of the lies of the enemy. And you've bought into that. And you've trusted that. Guess what? Jesus is right there with you. He is speaking to your heart. He is inviting you into the truth. Maybe the Holy Spirit is bringing enlightenment to your heart and mind and your spirit in this moment or through this service. And you, for the first time, will say, I want to believe and trust in Jesus to find the true way of life. Maybe that's how you need to connect to God this morning. And you hear Him because He first loved you. And now in return, you're ready to give your love back to Him. So the greatest decision that anyone of any age at any point in your life where you understand that and you receive that to the point that you know that's what you need to do. And, and listen, I really believe that time is running out. Man, you can sit in a number of places like this any given Sunday morning, any given time period. There's so many church services that are offered around this place, and you can have so many encounters of God knocking on your heart, the door of your heart, and extending you this invitation to join Him in this way. And you can say no and no and no and no and no. But I believe we're running out of time. I really do. I don't think that that is going to be extended for years and years and years and years and years like we may have known it in the past. Now is the day of salvation. The second thing that I want you to look at, maybe you're a believer. Maybe you're a believer. And this week God gave me just a vivid example of what happens to our hearts as we walk with Him. My mom had cataract surgery this past week. And, I, you know, I, I knew what cataract surgery was, but I wanted to learn a little bit about it. So uh, at one point while I was with her, uh, looked it up, and it just talks about the lens that we see through in our eyes uh, <clears throat> becomes opaque. And something comes across that lens, and over years it grows a little bit at a time, and our vision begins to fade. But guess what we do? We adjust to it over time. And the doctor had been telling my mom for two years, you need to have this done, you need to have this done, you need to have this done, for various reasons she didn't have it done. 
And it was getting to the point where her vision, she was, could really begin to see that. She had it done, and I never will forget. It's a pretty simple surgery, uh, it, it seemed like to me. And uh, after 24 hours, swelling goes down, and she begins to take her glasses off and say, I think I can see better already without my glasses. And she begins to talk about the things that she was seeing, the details of that she had been missing. Guess what? That is what happens to the eyes of our heart over time with our experiences in life with our personal experiences, our family experiences, all of those things, our church experiences, our work experiences, our relationships with our friendships, all of those things. Life happens, and life is a struggle. Life is a battle. The darkness comes against us. But guess what? If we are not careful, cataracts will develop on the eyes of our heart. And we can't see clearly anymore. And sometimes we resign ourselves over, well, this is just the way it is. We don't experience life in the way that God wants us to. God wants to draw us back. Sometimes we let our, the eyes of our hearts close in that invitation to join Him. We fall asleep. We no longer walk hand in hand with God. I have a, a, a man that uh, has become a, a good friend of mine, uh, and we walk on a weekly basis together in some things related to this. And one of the things that he talks about, he says, well, I don't necessarily have deep wounds in my heart, but he says, one of the things that I can tell you is that God is waking me up. He is awakening my heart. Maybe this morning, for some reason, the darkness has assailed your heart and Jesus wants to invite you this morning to let that heart come awake and come alive again in your life. Come alive as you walk with Him, as you encounter Him. Maybe you can look back at a time in your life you know you gave your life over to the Lord. You walked closely with God. You experienced the joy of your salvation. You experienced life as only He could give it in the personal ways that He wanted you to know it. And today you sit in this place and you can say, that's not how I experience Jesus anymore. That's not the walk that I have with God anymore as I once did. I've lost that connection. Well, guess what? Maybe this is the morning that God wants to reignite a life in your heart. So He's given us that invitation. He's given us that in invitation to join Him. And as you look back at Joel 2, the first two parts of that chapter that I didn't go into, that's what this is all about. It's all about God. It's all about His plan, what He is desiring to achieve, and He invites His people into that with Him. The last thing that I want to share with you this morning is this, is that life is ignited through that personal relationship. Life is ignited through your personal relationship with Jesus connecting with God as He gives that invitation. And receiving that invitation is an awesome thing. You know, when we're in sports or, you know, when somebody's picking teams for something and they choose you, what does that do to you? Man, that lights you up. Man, you straighten up. You walk about two inches taller than you were before all that happened. Guess what? God is choosing you this morning for His team, for His work, 
for the building of His kingdom. His outstretched hand is before you and He is saying, Take my hand. Take my hand and walk with me. And I'll show you a life that you can never even imagine of if you'll just walk with me. Take me by the hand and walk with me. That's what Jesus is up to in your life. He will apprehend you wherever you are. He will find you. He will pursue you to no ends to bring you to the threshold of that invitation. And one of the things I get real excited about is who we are in Christ. And one of the things I walk with Nelson as a prayer partner in, in, in this part of his calling and what he does with you. And I'm always thrilled when he sends me an email and tells me about what's going on or sends me a text or gives me a call. I used to get real excited about what the Lord's doing because I've been, Nelson pretty much has been my best friend since we moved here, my best ministerial friend especially. And uh, we started seminary at the same time together and got to know each other. And we've watched each other's story unfold as we grabbed God's hand and walked with him. And one of the things that I know is a big theme of Nelson is teaching others how to live in their true identity, how to live in the deepest authority of God that we can know and experience in our lives. And he is doing that in your life. Jesus is teaching you that in your spiritual life. And one of the things that happens to us, and I shared this last time, and I'm trying to close here so I don't have a lot of time to go into this, but when we come to God by accepting that uh, invitation through Jesus, and He awakens our heart, He does cataract surgery on us, makes our vision clear again, or He awakens our heart, or He heals our hearts from the brokenheartedness that we have. When he does that work in in us, guess what? There's something that happens. He gives us a new spirit, and he gives us a new heart, and he cleans us up. That's all in the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel 36. You'll find it there. And one of the things that unfolds in that, that idea of walking with the Spirit of God, uh, is embedded in John chapter 6. And I want to share this with you quickly. John chapter 6, verse 63. One of the things that happens in God's training of us, He teaches us. And sometimes the invitations that He gives us are not the easiest invitations to embrace. Believe me, I know that. We've experienced that in our lives. And I know you have too. Maybe that's a fear for somebody that they don't walk closely with God because they're afraid of what He might ask them to do. Sometimes His invitations are hard to understand. He was teaching here. He was offering out that invitation as the bread of life in John chapter 6, and it was hard. People didn't understand it. People walked away. People that had followed Jesus for a long time, guess what? They turned around to follow him no more, that passage says. And then when you come to John uh, chapter 6, down in uh, verse 60, he turns to his disciples. They're the only people that's left with him. He turns and he asks them, he says, is it too hard for you? Are you going to walk away? like everyone else has, and everything that we've done to build the kingdom together at this point will be over? Are you going to walk away too? But embedded in this is something that is priceless in Jesus' conversation with them. He asked them in verse 61, Does this offend you? What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for 
nothing. The words I have spoken to you, you are spirit, and they are life. I could take you through a lot of Scripture, and I'd hope to have time to do that, but I don't this morning, and show you something about that right there. If you notice, it says, the words that I, the Spirit gives life and the flesh counts for nothing, the words I have spoken to you are spirit, spelled with a small s instead of a large s. In the New Testament, where the word spirit is translated, sometimes there's confusion among translators. Of, is he talking about the human spirit? Is he talking about the Holy Spirit? Of God, And one of the things that you'll see sometimes in different translations, if you lay them side by side and look at some of those verses, some will have a small s, some will have a large s. Because they're not quite sure how to interpret that. And there's, I think there's a reason for that. And this is something that I think the Lord has shown me for myself. One of the things that happen is we are given a new spirit. And my hope and prayer is of what happened to me and my understanding of what God teaches me about what happened to me and who I am in Him is that His Spirit comes into my spirit. It's all His breath. And they intertwine as one. And I should be so intertwined with God's Holy Spirit in my walk with Him that you can't tell the difference between my human spirit and the Holy Spirit that lives in me and through me. And while He is there, it is the Holy Spirit that God speaks through and communicates His words of life that totally transforms our heart and takes us from point A to point B. And when He speaks those words of life, it is absolutely stunning. It will absolutely take your breath away. In Job chapter 32, it'll, it'll, uh, Elihu, the fourth friend of Job, is in the background most of the picture. And you may not even remember who he is. He's so insignificant in the picture of Job's friends in the visible picture. But what he says when he gets ready to speak after all of the listening he's done, and he's young, so he lets the older ones go first. One of the things that he says there is that where we get understanding of God the understanding of the Almighty is where? It's in our spirit. It's in the truest part of who we are. Our heart being the center of that. And it is there that God wants to speak. Now I'll take you back to Joel chapter 2, verse 28. And in that passage there, it talks about something that I think is very, very important in the times in which we live, of the days that are coming and what will unfold. In verse 28, it says there, And afterward I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Remember, dark landscape, doom and gloom, similar to ours, need of judgment for the hour was the need of the day for what was happening upon the earth. God invited His people to come away with Him, and He would remember them. And then he says here in verse 28, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my Spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth and blood and fire and billows of smoke. Guess what God is saying here? I am going to manifest myself in you and through you. And strange things are going to happen to you. 
Strange things are going to happen to you. You're going to start having encounters with me that you can't even begin to imagine. You may not understand them at first. Remember the man's heart in the story, Evan Baxter? The retelling of Noah's Ark, uh, kind of in a modern-day situation. Things were happening to him that he could not understand. And he didn't want to do it. And he thought he was losing his mind in the process. Guess what? It's going to feel that way when you begin to walk in deep waters with God and have deep encounters with God and things begin to happen inside of you that God wants you to say so that the people here and the people outside of here can see, they can experience, they can observe and learn and walk and experience that life that's going on inside of you. You may start to dream dreams. You may start to see things when you pray. And guess what? What God has put inside of your heart in the way of desires are important. And one of the things that I didn't even get into is we need to walk with God and let Him take care of our flesh. Let Him get our flesh under control. Let Him transform our mind. The world is going to come at you and there's going to be another voice that hollers at your heart and tries to claim your heart. Guess what? The enemy is going to try to claim your heart as well. He's going to try to deceive your heart so that He can keep you from the life that God wants you to have and know. And when you can get those three things under control, and you know that what you're hearing in your heart and your spirit is the Spirit of God, trust it. Trust it enough to live it in your life and to act on what you know. I love in the book of Isaiah where it says that God took King Cyrus, who was not a believer... He was not a faithful man to God. And God took him by the right hand and he led him into the darkness, it says. And there he finds treasures, treasures of life in the darkness that he couldn't even begin to think or imagine. And he cut through bars and he cut through gates, things that were obstacles now became opportunities for him. And guess what? If my God, who is the almighty God of heaven and earth, the God of angel armies, if He is willing to do that for an unbeliever, how much more will He do that for you who does believe, who comes like a little child and sits in His lap and you wrap your arms around His neck and He wraps His loving arms around you and He says, tell me what's on your mind. And you begin to have these life-giving conversations with God. One of the things that I have learned in my encounters with God, in my walk with God, is that my prayer life and your prayer life should be no different. But that our prayer lives should simply be conversations. Not a monologue. Not a take our worry to-do list to God. Right, Rhonda? That's a favorite saying of my wife of what she used to do. Is take my worry list to God and give it to Him. Or to have our own plan and take that to God and say, here it is, God. No. The objective is to go into God's lap. Go to the feet of Jesus, just like Mary did. Go to the feet of Jesus, that most important thing. Sit down with Him. Soak with Him. Let Him come into the darkness in your life take you by the right hand and help you find the treasures in the darkness.
He'll show you how to cut through those iron bars and those gates of bronze that are keeping you out and keeping the ones you love in your life out. The important thing is, is to stop and to spend the necessary time with Him in that place to let Him communicate to you. And He does that. I'm going to give you four ways He does it real quick. He does that in your prayer life. He does it in your Bible life. He does it in your church or faith community life. And He does that in the circumstances of your life. Look for those areas. Look for the Holy Spirit to communicate what God is saying to you in those areas of your life. Make those areas strong. Build a foundation for there to be a spirit of wisdom as Paul prayed for the Ephesians. And the stronger your base of the, your spirit of wisdom, guess what? The stronger your spirit of revelation will be as you walk with God, as you take Him by the right hand. You'll know where to go. I like that old passage in Psalms says, don't, like be, a, don't be like an old stubborn mule. Don't, don't, don't make God have to be the one to hit you over the head with a board. No, it should be such a sweet relationship between you and Him. Father to son, father to daughter, that when he whispers, man, you grab it, and it turns your world upside down when he when you do. And if it's not that way, it can be. Let me tell you something. Nelson is one of the best persons that I know, that I always fall on or fall back to or call when I've got questions about this. We've walked together in some stuff where we've... I've watched him learn. Listen, go to him and say, listen, this guy says I can do that. And he says it says that from God's Word. So teach me how to do that. Show me how to do that. God still speaks. He's not silent. God is still speaking. God is still actively working to build His kingdom. He is inviting you into that. And your heart right now in this moment is most central to those two things. Your heart. Your heart. Your heart is what he's after. Earlier this week, and I'm going to close with this picture. In my prayer life, I started asking the Lord, okay, God, and it's been a real hectic week for me, so it's a real good thing that God did this early on on Monday when I wasn't quite so busy as I was in the latter part of the week. But I said, all right, Lord, is there a picture for the people that will be there Sunday? You know them. I don't. You're sitting down with them in their lives. You know what's happening. You know what's unfolding. Do you have a word for them for Sunday morning? And he says, yes, I do. And immediately a picture, as I prayed, began to form in my mind. And the picture was a person that was very clear that this person was a believer, was a son of or a daughter of God. And they were standing in this place, and all I could see was the person at first as I prayed. And this person was just standing back like this, and their wind or or something was just blowing their hair. And you could tell that it was a person that was under uh, the, the, the weight and the force of a huge wind that was blowing. As I kept praying, I said, okay, God, is there more to this picture? What's unfolding here? And the more I prayed, the more I began to see. There was a dark circumstances all around. There was just a lot of darkness around this person. 
And then I said, okay, Lord, is there something else to this picture that you want me to see? And he very soundly said yes in my spirit. And pay attention to what comes next because it's important. It is extremely important. And as I prayed and as I watched and observed like Habakkuk did from his rampart, this is what I saw. All of a sudden, a huge lion formed in front of that person. And that lion was just his wide mouth roaring as loud as he could. And the wind, the force that was hitting this believer and blowing them back like this was the breath of that roaring lion trying to push them away from the spot where God had positioned them. And then the Lord said, you remember that sermon you preached not too long ago that I've been making you think about a lot here lately? And about 10 or 11 years ago, I preached a message. The only time I've ever pre- uh, preached it, but it was one of the neatest messages for me that I remember in my old memory uh, from the past. And as I thought about this and looked back at it, we used to take vacations. And we used to take our children to, or we still take vacations, but we used to go to Atlanta for vacation. That's what I meant to say. We used to go to Whitewater Theme Park. I may still be there. I'm not sure. But one of the things in all these theme parks that I love are these water parks. I love is there's a, a water uh, a playground. It's like a huge jungle gym, maybe as tall as this room. And at the very top of that jungle gym, there's all sorts of water spots that you stop and get wet. And one of the things that happens is at the very top of it, there's this huge bucket. And it's, you, if you watch it from afar, you're watching the water being poured in the bucket. And there's a lot of water being poured in that bucket. And it gets full to the point that it reaches a tipping point. And when it tips over after it reaches that tipping point, if you're anywhere on that ride, anywhere near that ride, if you've been positioned that way, guess what? You're going to get wet. Well, about 10 or 11 years ago, the Lord began to put on my heart that I'm doing that. I'm filling up a bucket. And if I was praying at this on Monday morning and asking the Lord, what do you want to say to these folks on Monday morning? This is what the Lord showed me. All of a sudden in that picture appeared that water jungle gym and that bucket on top was filling up. And he says, look, it, it's getting close. It's getting close. It's getting full and it's about to pour out. And everybody where I've got them positioned around this jungle gym of my water from my temple of grace is about to pour out, and they're going to get wet. And my water is going to flow into a dry, crusty old riverbed where a lot of other people are, and everything that water touches is going to bring life. The life that I breathed into Adam the life that the Holy Spirit breathed while it brooded over the waters of creation, and a number of other instances where God has breathed His breath. And guess what the enemy is trying to do? That old line that was roaring, that was the enemy trying to push that believer away from the position where God had put them. And if they leave that position, they're going to miss what God pours out. But guess what? If you let God's breath breathe on you today, Breathe in you, breathe through you, breathe on you, breathe around you. Guess what? It's going to bring life to the darkness. God is going to use you as His treasure in the darkness to bring life to everyone that is experiencing death around you. So I want to encourage you this morning, the whole reason, the whole purpose 
of looking at Joel chapter 2 was for you to trust what's going on inside of you. Trust God's voice. Trust God's presence. Trust God's invitation. Trust His words of life. Trust what He's doing inside of you. Enough to say what you see so that others can see what you say. Let's pray. This morning as we wrap this up and we close all of this up. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.